You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Interesting. Wait till you get a load of Jesus. He's better than them. And so last week we covered a couple of things that Jesus is better than. It says he's better than the angels and the Torah. We looked at last week. He's the radiance of God's glory. And Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. A couple of things we looked at last week. If you want to go back and have a listen, all our sermons are available on CD or via the podcast. But we ended last week with this question. And this is the question for the whole series and a question for today to keep asking. Is Jesus superior in your life? Is Jesus superior in your life? That's the series question. We know the answer if we've been along church long enough. We, we know if it was an exam to get into heaven, we'd know that the answer is yes, he is. But my heart for this series is more than just a bit of fun facts, more than a bit of head knowledge that our heart would know that, that our whole heart would know in all things Jesus is superior in every area of our life, Jesus is superior. Jesus is better than. So let's move on. We're in Hebrews 2 and we're going to have a look at that this morning. I haven't forgot communion. Don't worry. We're doing things a little bit different this morning. It hasn't been forgotten. It's coming. Uh, I'm going to ask Jewel to give us the reading, two readings today that we're going to have a look at for a short moment this morning. Thank you so much, Jewel. The first reading comes from the beginning of Hebrews, Hebrews 2, verses 1 to 4. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And the second reading comes from Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Thank you, Joel. Before we dig into this scripture this morning, I want to tell you a story about this guy. is coming up. James Howe. Anyone know who he is? I don't expect, it'd actually be quite amazing if you did or you might be reading about him. But James Howell is this guy's name. I don't know even him, but I've heard his story. James Howell, in 2009, I believe it was, or a little bit earlier, 
he started a hobby. He got out a laptop and he started mining this thing called Bitcoin on his laptop. Um, was taking up heaps of his time. Wife probably got annoyed how much time he was spending on this silly hobby. Um, and what it does, you don't need to go into the mechanics of it today. You don't even need to know exactly what Bitcoin is. But the idea is you can run these things on your computer back then and it actually collects this digital currency, an alternative to the currency we use today called a Bitcoin. So he's running it along, he's running his computer and he mines about 7,500 of these coins. And uh, doesn't think much of it. It's probably worth around that time about $45. I don't know what happened. Maybe the wife got sick of him on the laptop, thought it was silly that he was mining fake money. Um, I don't know what exactly happened, but he closed down the laptop one day and said, oh, I'm finished with this hobby. I should probably go hang with my family. <laughs> I should probably spend time doing things of worth. So he puts the laptop away and takes out the hard drive where he's put these coins in and puts it in one of his drawers. And over time, actually years and years and years, we come fast forward 2017, and at some point they've done some spring cleaning and this useless hard drive has gone in the trash, gone in the garbage. Now, if you know a little bit about Bitcoin, you'll know where this is heading. If you don't, that's okay. Fast forward 2017, there's a hard drive that he's placed and he's put in the trash with 7,500 of these fake coins, if you will, or digital coins. They reached in 2017 a point where they were worth $17,000 a coin. So there's $127 million sitting somewhere in his local council rubbish dump on a hard drive. I don't know how he felt. I don't imagine he's excited by that thought. But what we do know is he made some changes around that, but he tells this story. Poor James. Poor James. You think about that story. Even if you don't know about Bitcoin, $127 million accidentally put in the trash. Where did he go wrong? Where did James go wrong? Well, put it simply, he didn't understand the value of what he had. He didn't truly understand its value. Had he known that it was worth $127 million, he'd probably have paid somebody to watch it full time. <laughs> he wouldn't let it ever lose his sight. He'd never, you probably would never leave, you'd probably have it chained to you if you knew that one day this small hard drive is going to be worth $127 million. You'd never let it lose your sight, leave your sight. Would not let it leave your sight. This is exactly the type of warning we find in Hebrews 2 that was just read. Exactly the type of warning told to the early Christian church and for us as Christians today. In fact, my first point is Jesus is better than Bitcoin because the early church, this was not a sermon on Bitcoin. This was a sermon on something with greater value. But it's important to say Jesus is better than Bitcoin. The writer says... The point of this passage in Hebrews 2, the writer is saying, imagine hearing great news of value. Imagine having something that has incredible amount of worth. Imagine hearing that. It says, it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to those who heard. The writer of Hebrews tells us. Imagine hearing it, sort of knowing it, that it had value. 
that Jesus is superior. Imagine that you knew that you had been saved, that you were free from the dominion of sin and darkness. You were free. Imagine having that and letting it not sink in as the greatest news you'd ever heard. Not realising that what you had was the great salvation, as the writer says here. Imagine even worse, hearing it and never bothering to investigate it. Imagine going, oh, that doesn't have value in my life. I'd say that's the risk of burly heads our community, the people out there that don't come to church. It's not an anger towards God. It's a, that doesn't have value in my life. I don't see where it fits in. There probably is a God. We've all experienced that attitude probably in our workplaces. Imagine that. Imagine someone telling them about this amazing thing and not even investigating it. Not even finding out its true value. But this is to church. This message is to the church. And so he's bringing us a different warning, I guess. Knowing that Christians get distracted. People get distracted. And that's why he says, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Let me read that again. Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. The writer of Hebrews knows that we don't often get something of value and then run the other way. Most Christians in church, their story, if they've fell away or they've got distracted or never let it actually enter their heart, it's not because they deliberately rebelled against it in most cases. It's because at one time it seemed to have value. Then they got distracted by things. Like the hard drive papers suddenly filled up the desk. The hard drive got unplugged. It got put in the desk, a couple of years later, there's a spring clean and a couple of years later the hard drive or our faith is completely drifted to the point you don't even know where it is anymore. The writer knows this about us and he gives us his warning. Don't forget the value. Don't drift away. I think every church does this. We forget. That's why there's a warning for us. That's why there's a letter literally written to us to help us remember this. So what drifts you? What drifts you is the question I want to ask this morning. What drifts you? What, what distracts you from the value of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's an obvious thing. I say obvious because it's easy to, like TV, Netflix, Stan, entertainment takes you away. This is one I'm guilty of. That's why I put it here, I was writing this. Takes you away from time with Jesus. I should be spending some time with what I value tonight. But there's a new Stranger Things season three series on. And I'm really tired. And I work for a church, so tonight I can watch a series. That's my excuse, that's what I tell myself. But five nights out of the week, that excuse runs dry because I start to forget the value of what I had. What's your excuse? What drifts you? Money. It's always on the list. How often does our career supersede our kingdom, supersede God's kingdom? We get distracted with what we're building 
which is great and can be used for the kingdom, but moths and rust destroy. The eternal kingdom has value. This one's an interesting one. This was one that me and my wife were discussing and I think it's fascinating, especially for my generation. I don't know if it's for older than me because I haven't got there yet. But sleep. Sleep's a big problem. Um, Sleep is in, obviously, families and young kids, but there's so much distraction and entertainment to be watched, to internet, to be distracted at night. They're saying that the current generation is so underrested. They're always on, always on a device. And so how do you get the energy to engage with what you value when you're tired? Some good reasons and some others is just distraction. What drifts you? Maybe it's a mind game. Let's take this one step deeper. Maybe it's the negative things you think about yourself. Maybe it's the other voice. It's the feeling of guilt because you, like everyone else in this room, is not perfect. And you've got that guilt. Oh, maybe God can't forgive that. Maybe I'm not good enough for that. Maybe I've done something that he is even just beyond his love. What a quick way to drift from the absolute opposing message of the gospel, that you are loved and you can't escape that. The voice that allows you to drift from the truth of who Jesus has allowed you to be. Do you know the hardest things, and the hardest things that I reckon are bad that help us drift, I guess, are good things. This is the one that I reckon is the hardest because good things sometimes make even better excuses. So TV, we all know we should watch less TV if that's you. We all know we should focus more. We all know should we get more sleep. But what about the things that are good? What about expectation of trying to be the perfect family or have the perfect family, the perfect house, the perfect life, look a perfect way, presenting your perfect brand if you will. It's seemingly good to have a perfect family to want that right. Not if to the point where it distracts you from where the value lies. After all, Jesus took you while you were still sinner. It said he died for you. He knows you're a bad person. He knows you've done wrong. He knows you've rejected him. He died for you anyway. Doesn't mean we don't improve, we don't seek him, not saying that at all. But is our number one priority seeking the value, remembering the value we have in him. And so we drift. Now the rest of this book, we've got till Christmas to go through this book and it offers solutions for the drift. Encouragements for the whole church. And so I'm super excited as we approach go towards Christmas. How crazy is that? that we're going to look at ways to not drift. So I'm not going to spoil them all today because then there's no point going through the rest of the book. I just wanted to concentrate on one thing this morning that I think can help us all as a practice to drift a little less, to not lose sight of where the value is, of what we had, what we have. We all remember, for those that are Christians, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you don't know Jesus, then at least investigate it. And if you find something better than Jesus, come let me know. Because you won't, but you can try. And I love that conversation. If you do know Jesus, which is majority of us, 
then you remember when you first came in contact with him. You remember the value you knew at that moment when it was everything and you said to yourself, I'll give up everything for this. So what's the one practice I want to encourage us in this smaller sermon this morning? Jesus, like the writer of Hebrews, told stories of people that searched for treasure. In Luke 15, he talks about three lost things, a lost coin, a lost son, and a lost sheep. When the sheep returns, when the son returns, and when the lady finds the coin, when they understand the value, what do they do? Does anyone know the first thing all three of those stories finish with? A party. A celebration, a God-ordained party because the lost has come home. The lost has come home. Church, this morning, there's just one point this morning, one main point. Take it back one slide, Sarah, if that's okay, just one more. In a worldly culture of criticism, consumerism and comparison, I'm not as good as that person, I'm not good enough, this isn't the way I want it, this isn't what I want, In a world of that, church, I'm encouraging us to practice celebration of what we already have, of what's already going on, of what already is finished and done and complete on the cross in Jesus Christ. That's the message this morning. We need a little bit more celebration. If I had a statement for Burley Heads Church of Christ in this next financial year, in this next season during Hebrews, if I can be honest with you, I reckon as a church we can do this better. I reckon we can learn to celebrate even better. Maybe come to church a little less critical, a little less ready to consume, a little less competitive. And learn to celebrate a little bit better. Do you receive that? Is that all right? Do you pick that? You pick up what I'm putting down this morning? Let's learn to celebrate even better. Every time, every time something comes home, he throws a party. It's good to celebrate because it reminds us that what we already have is right here. What we have is already in this room. And if you accepted it, Jesus, it's already in your heart. What an excuse to celebrate. Now, let me be careful. I'm not talking about a celebration for the sake of it. I'm not talking about the type of celebration that we see on, in Burley Heads Main Road on a Friday night. I'm not talking about festivities just for the sake of it, for distraction, to make us feel better. Blind, drunk, stumbling down the road just to, to, to try and fill that void that Jesus can fill. I'm talking about celebrating something of substance, celebrating Jesus. You know, James, how? He understood the value of that coin after he'd lost it. It actually motivated him to build his fortune back up. And now he's petitioning the council to spend $4 million to let him ravish through. Sorry? Rummage. That's the word I'm looking for. Rummage through 350,000 tonne to find the hard drive because he knows its value. He understands. It's too late, though, probably, for him. How sad's that? Don't make it too late. 
for you? Do you know the value of Jesus? So we're going to celebrate this morning. We're going to be like the people that knew a treasure and then hid it on the field, found a treasure and then sold everything to buy that field for that treasure. Or the man that collected pearls, it says, sold all his pearls for the one pearl. We're going to take everything we have and realise it's nothing compared to what we have in Jesus and we're going to celebrate that this morning. I'm going to ask um, Mez and a helper to help Mez to bring some balloons down here because it's cel- we're celebrating and everyone knows you can't, it's not quite biblical. She's got them all. One there, cover Jeremy up, and one down here. It's for dramatic effect, but also helium doesn't last the night, so I couldn't put him in here last night, so I had to get him this morning. But we'll just pretend it's for dramatic effect because we want to learn how to celebrate better. So what we're going to do now, well, let me read you a few passages actually. And then we're going to do something in a, in, as preparation for our time of communion. It says in Luke 15, 23, 24, just in case you think that's a nice thought, Steve, but where's the Bible in this? We know the Bible says don't drift away, but where's the celebration? Well, let me read you some stuff. Luke 15, 23, 24 says this, And bring the fattened calf. This is the father when his son has come home. And let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found and they began to celebrate. Amen. So whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, do all to the glory of God. Have communion and do it celebrationally, not because you're remembering something sad. Sometimes we forget that he rose again, didn't stay dead. Let us therefore, 1 Corinthians 5.8, celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us celebrate. And Philippians 4.8, which is just a handful of passages around this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth of praise, think about these things. Think about the value of Jesus Christ. Spend time exploring the value you already have in him. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it end up under 350,000 tonne of garbage. Noah's excited, it sounds like. Actually, that might not be Noah, that's right. Here's what we're going to do. The emblems are going to come down in a moment. You can, keep, you can keep that up for a moment, Sarah. That's all right. Sorry. What we're going to do, we're going to take out the emblems and we're going to have a bit of bread and a bit of juice. And we're going to spend a moment, before we take it together, we're going to spend a moment talking about something that we want to celebrate, something that Jesus has been doing in your life this season. I won't give you a time frame. What's Jesus been up to? And we're going to celebrate it. It can be broad, but it has to be around what Jesus has been doing. I just got news today that the McGee's have had a a granddaughter. Um, I don't know the name because they haven't put on Facebook. How good are kids? How good are the blessing of grandkids? The kids that you can give back to the parents. They're even better. God is good. They're overseas at the moment spending time with her. I don't know her name. If someone knows her name, let me know. Sorry? 
Fern, Fern. And the last, what's the last one? Because not McGee. Fern Douglas. Fantastic. So I kicked us off. That was my contribute. Let's give us some things. Let's call out. Um, actually, let's get the emblems out. So we're going to ask our em- uh, people to come forward, our volunteers first. We're going to distribute the emblems and hold on to the bread and juice and then let's spend a moment celebrating everything Jesus has been doing. So just hold on to the bread and the juice and we'll pray for them in a moment. But just hold them. So just hold them. Don't take them right yet. I think it's funny sometimes we forget that these emblems were party food. I don't even... That was actually at a festival, the Passover festival, and they had party food on the table, wine and bread, and Jesus used party food to represent him. That's not irreverent. He just knew that at first it's going to look dark because, of course, he died, but he knew what was coming And every time we got together, had a meal together, we could celebrate. Celebrate while remembering his body that was broken, the blood that was given, and remembering that he brought us back to the Father. And so this is the first communion where I'm going to ask you not to be quiet. And I'm going to ask us to just share right now, is there anything in your life that Jesus has been up to at the moment that you want to celebrate? Go for it. Just call it out. Identity, learn and open that up, Mark. Uh, identity. identity in him. Learning identity in him. It's good, it's good. Erica? Opportunities to share about him, absolutely. Yes? Healing you. Absolutely, that's Amen. As a teacher, opportunities to st- students coming to you asking for prayer. That's fantastic. Strength in times of hardness. Absolutely. Not, not, uh, shouldn't, yeah, so I did see your hand. Not saying that celebration is about that life is always good. It's that even in the bad, <laughs> Jesus is still good. Jesus is still valuable. So I appreciate that, Bonnie. Sorry. Beautiful. I'm going to repeat that only because people may not... Uh, you were saying you were living on the street, but you've, you've now got a home. God's provided that way. It's fantastic. Keep them coming. It's okay. Don't do it all at once. <laughs> Peace. The, knowing Jesus. Doesn't dip. Doesn't have to dip. Happiness, emotions dip. The joy of who he is. It's the one thing you can celebrate and you know it's consistent. Yes. Yeah. 
get to show the whole isn't that so that's i appreciate that because not only is it good news for the people inside these four walls <laughs> we get we have something that they are hungry for it's a reason they celebrate around empty bottles it's a reason they celebrate by recreational drugs it's not because it's because well, they're hungry for something the poor people don't know that it's jesus or don't yet know it's jesus this is good news for outside these walls. This is everything outside these walls. Anyone else? The opportunity of praise and worship, especially in this country. We get to choose songs, not only that, but we actually get to do it without getting arrested or persecuted. Ari has been teaching the kids at Varsity Primary One Way Jesus. That is special. Do you know what else reminds me of that? Um, Is Lyric here today? Losers? Lyric, if you don't know, is part of the foster system and and she's just... She's just going around constantly singing the song she's been singing in Burley Kids, One Way Jesus. Jesus is my superhero. Imagine that, that Sam Allen Kirsten actually get to implant something in that girl's life while they have her and it's about the best news she could ever hear. That's worth celebrating. And the kids that are out there right now learning these principles, like Aria, sharing it vastly. She's not ashamed at her school. She doesn't know that not everybody has that good news in their life. Yes? Aria, Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to be praying for RE. Or RI, is it called now? RE, RI. Yeah, but we need to be praying it stays in schools. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, two, two more. I'm going to say two more. Come on. Hope. No matter what's happening, we have hope. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki's been spending some more time lately in the op shop. It's been a great help. And you start to see the people coming in and the questions and the things they say. Nothing short of, can you sh- sell me a T-shirt, 50 cents, and can you tell me about Jesus? Like, seriously, it's that crazy, some of the things they ask. And we, of course, say no no, 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 not today, it's not church. <laughs> now we end up, sometimes we end up in here praying with them or we end up explaining or inviting them to Alpha or whatever it is. So. We did. Dedication. <laughs> That's exactly right. So look, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take communion. We're going to take a bit of bread, a bit of juice. Do it. Spend a moment and just ask yourself, what has maybe got in the way of you knowing the value of Jesus? What's got you drifting at the moment? And what a perfect time to just turn and face him and spend a moment remembering what he did and celebrating. Let me pray and we'll do that. Then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a couple more songs really loudly as we think about the things that Jesus is doing in this community and individually. Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much that you are the one thing that is superior, the one thing that is worth celebrating, the one thing (laughs) that is worth having a party when we introduce others to you. May this morning be a reminder of the things that have drifted, the things in our life that are distracting. We're human, we get it, we understand. You know this. That's why you've given us ways to remember, practices to celebrate, Lord. And I just pray right now as we take a bit of bread, a bit of juice, we spend a quiet moment remembering you, that you turn us back to see you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Just take a moment.